الحمد لله الحمد لله وكفى والصلاه والسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى اما بعد فاعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم وانك لعلى خلق عظيم وقال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم انما بعثت لاتمم مكارم الاخلاق او كما قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم most respected brothers and elders there are many commands of allah tbarak wa taala that are all directed to us for us to inculcate in our lives for us to adopt but unfortunately many a times we do not manage to do what we are supposed to do how we are supposed to do it whether it pertains to ibadat fulfilling the five daily salah for example discharging zakat on time fasting in the month of ramadan if hajj is compulsory upon a person to then proceed for hajj over the it pertains to the other aspects of day to day life our social life how we deal with our parents how we treat our own children how we deal with our families whether it is in terms of our dealings that we deal and transact in a way that is in accordance with the way that allah tbaraka wa taala has commanded us the way rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam has shown us with that honesty justice fairness and obviously refraining from every iota of haram so in all these things there are many many commands of allah taala which mashallah many things we do also and many things we unfortunately sometimes don't do the way we supposed to do it what is the underlying reason often more than anything else underlying reason in these aspects which we slack in is that the consciousness of akhirat the consciousness of the hereafter the consciousness of the accountability on the day of qiyamah that fades out of our mind that becomes something very distant the aqeedah the belief is definitely there without the aqeedah and belief that there is a hereafter there is a day of qiyamah coming there is accountability on the day of judgment without this belief the person won't even be a mu'min without this belief he will have no iman so alhamdulillah that belief is there but that consciousness of it fades due to the excessive engagement in things of dunya without having a greater engagement in the things that remind us of akhirat and drive us towards the consciousness of akhirat so as a result this consciousness fades towards the back and a person becomes neglectful and mindful this then leads to the neglect of various commands of allah tbaraka wa taala whether it's pertaining to the ibadat as we mentioned a person suddenly now can't find himself able to wake up for fajr salah maybe a person is unable to leave his occupation and engagements and be in the masjid in time for zuhur asar and all the various other aspects of din 
And likewise in all the other matters that we just discussed. So in order to keep this alive, to keep reminding us, Allah Ta'ala in many ayat of the Qur'an Sharif has brought this forward to us. The matter of this accountability on the day of Qiyamah, this hereafter. Throughout the Qur'an Sharif, this theme of Ma'ad, this hereafter, this akhirat, from the beginning till the end of the Qur'an Sharif, we are repeatedly reminded of this akhirat. And in one ayat of the Qur'an Sharif, Allah Ta'ala mentions this in this manner, that, Ya ayyuhun nasu taqoo rabbakum, O people, fear Allah tabaraka wa ta'ala, وَخْشَوْ يَوْمَ لَا يَجْزِي وَالِدٌ عَوْ وَلَدِهِ وَلَا مَوْلُودٌ هُوَ جَازٍ عَوْ وَالِدِهِ شَيْئًا That fear that day when no father will be of any help to his child. The father won't want to have anything to do with him. In this dunya the father will say, I'm by you. I'm at your side all the time. Anything, don't worry, I'm on speed. speed put me on speed dial. But on the day of Qiyamah, no father will want to have anything to do with that child and he cannot help him in any way. وَلَا مَوْلُودٌ هُوَ جَازٍ أَوْوَالِدِهِ شَيْئًا And that son, that child, that daughter, whoever we did so much for and thought that this child will never abandon me, come the day of Qiyamah, that child to Allah Ta'ala says will have nothing to do with the parent. Nobody will be interested in anybody else. إِنَّ وَعَدَ اللَّهِ حَقٍّ Allah Ta'ala says this promise of Allah Ta'ala is truth. This is a reality. This is not a fairy tale. It's not an imagination. It's not something just to just make somebody believe something which is not in reality the case. No, this is a reality, 100%. فَلَا تَغُرَّنَّكُمُ الْحَيَاةُ الدُّنْيَا وَلَا يَغُرَّنَّكُمْ بِاللَّهِ الْغَرُورِ Allah says, therefore, don't let this worldly life deceive you. And don't let the big deceiver, shaitan, deceive you. Because when the eyes close, then it will be too late to come out of this deception. So just as this deception comes about, and it pushes this reality of Akhirat far away from the mind, Alhamdulillah, the Aqeedah and belief is there, but the consciousness of it goes away from the mind, from the heart, due to which a person becomes neglectful of his fundamentals of deen, he becomes neglectful about his aspects of ibadat, mu'amalat, mu'asharat, his dealings, his social life. One very great, important aspect of deen, which a person likewise becomes neglectful of, which he doesn't take the care to adopt the good of it, and to refrain from the negative sides of it, is the aspect of akhlaq. Just as a person sometimes neglects his ibadat because of this lack of consciousness of akhirat, or he delays the payment of his zakat, or he's dealing in an incorrect manner, all these things find its root in the lack of the consciousness of Akhirat. Similarly, the aspect of adopting good akhlaq, that a person doesn't take the effort to do so. He's not ready to undertake that pressure on himself, but adopt what is the correct akhlaq. He's not prepared to accept the pressure on himself and refrain from the bad akhlaq and poor akhlaq. Very often, this too finds its root in the same thing, that the consciousness of akhirat is not there. So because the consciousness of akhirat is not there, 
he doesn't see what he's going to get, doesn't uh, bring to heart and mind what he's going to achieve in terms of adopting that good akhlaq. What he'll be rewarded with. What bounties of Allah Ta'ala will come upon him. What closeness and proximity to Rasulullah he'll enjoy as a result of adopting that good akhlaq. And on the other side of it, because this consciousness of akhirat is far away, that reality of accountability on the day of Qiyamah is not in his heart and mind, present in his heart and mind. So it doesn't matter to him what he said, how he said it, whose heart he broke into a million pieces, whose rights he trampled, who he swore at, who he dealt with unjustly. It doesn't occur to him that this is a very, very major issue. This is something I will be accountable for on the day of Qiyamah. So neither does he exert himself to adopt the good akhlaq because the akhirat is distant away from him. He doesn't have that consciousness. And nor is he ready to undertake any effort to stay away from the poor akhlaq, the negative qualities because akhirat is far away. We'll cross that bridge when we come to it. Many often a person, this is a kind of statement we make, that we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. Many people ended up crossing that bridge before they knew. That a person was walking, talking, before he knew it, he was already in Akhirat. In a moment he was gone. There was no sign that this is going to happen the next moment. And the next moment the person was gone. So very often we think about it in those terms, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. We have no idea how short and how, how near that bridge is. And that bridge gets crossed in a moment. That a person now is in the hereafter, now it's too late to make amends for what was supposed to have been sorted out while a person was in dunya. So now primarily, this is the aspect. That whether it pertains to akhlaq, all the other things that we discussed, every aspect of deen, primarily the issue is to develop this consciousness of akhirat. To remember death. To remember the hereafter. To visualize ourselves on the day of qiyamah. That I am now being going to be questioned now about my life in dunya. I'm going to be questioned about how I dealt with people. I'm going to be questioned about the words that I uttered. Everything that a person utters, every word that comes out of his mouth, it is being written down, it is being recorded. Now it didn't just fly away in the air and that's the end of it. On the day of Qiyamah it will be brought forth. And then a person will now be astounded. Mali Hadal Kitab. La that what is the matter with this book of deeds? It hasn't left one single thing, minor or major thing. The smallest thing also is recorded in you. So coming back to the aspect that we are discussing, the aspect of akhlaq. Primarily it is this accountability on the day of Qiyamah. This consciousness that will drive a person towards exerting himself to adopt the right akhlaq. Because akhlaq also requires an effort. A person thinks about fasting, I have to make an effort, I have to keep hungry for the whole day, I have to stay away from food and drink, it might be a hot summer's day, so he regards it as an effort, so he is ready for it. He knows it's a month of Ramadan, I have to make the effort, fine. It's the Salah, a person has a consciousness of Salah, then he knows I have to leave my home, in the time of Fajr it might be an early summer's morning, it might be a cold winter's morning, there's an effort involved, leaving my home and going to the Masjid, Isha time, Isha perhaps is late, the summer month, so now I might have to wait till Isha is, uh, the time is up, then proceed to the masjid, 
then go and perform the salah. There's an effort in it. He knows about it. He's ready for it because he has the importance of salah in his heart. So he's ready to undertake that effort. And likewise, the other thing, there's a very lucrative deal in front of him. And that deal is such that in a day he can turn it around and make a few million for himself. But all the elements of haram are involved in it. There's interest, either taking or giving interest involved. There's some bribery and corruption involved. There's some other elements of haram involved. There's some deception in it. He says, I'm not prepared to take this haram for anything. There's a pressure on the heart. He's ready to take this pressure. Because he doesn't retain his earnings with haram. Because that haram will cause havoc in his life. He understands that. That not one bit of haram will come. It will contaminate all his earnings. And that will cause havoc in his life. It will cause havoc in the lives of his children who were fed with that haram. They, Allah forbid, might become rebellious against him. Allah knows best what will become the end of their deen. Because of that haram that went into their bellies. So now he doesn't want to touch it. He's ready to undertake that pressure on his heart. But when it comes to akhlaq, then a person expects akhlaq will be something without effort. Oh no, akhlaq also has effort in it. And because akhlaq has a lot of effort in it, and it's sometimes the greatest effort is in akhlaq, that effort is inside, it's in the heart. There's a lot of pressure within. That's sabr. Sabr requires that a person has to now suppress that emotion within himself. And this is why in the Quran Sharif Allah Ta'ala says, well, Those who suppress their anger. It's not something that happens easily. It happens with effort. That effort to still do what is right despite somebody doing wrong to us. That's an effort. Now there's a lot of effort in it. To mend relationships with those who break ties from us. That's a tremendous effort within. It's not something that happens at the press of a button. And sometimes this effort is more than the effort of fasting on a hot summer's day. Sometimes this effort is more than the effort that it takes to reject that lucrative deal which is all haram. And it takes more effort sometimes in this than the effort it takes on an early summer's morning to leave one's home and come to the masjid for salah. But because this has so much of effort in it, Allah Ta'ala loves it so much. And therefore in the Hadith Sharif, Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi says, مَا مِنْ شَيْءٍ أَسْقَلَ فِي مِيزَانِ الْعَبْدِ الْمُؤْمِنِ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ مِنْ خُلُقٍ حَسَنٍ It is obvious that the foundation is obviously Iman and the faraiz and the compulsory aspects that Allah Ta'ala has made compulsory upon us, our salah, zakah, fasting, hajj. But then together with that, Nabi Sallallahu says, there is nothing, and obviously refraining from sin, there is nothing weightier on the scales of deeds, on the day of Qiyamah. In the scales of good deeds, there is nothing weightier than good akhlaq, good character, speaking in kind words, speaking in a way that endears people, not in a way that breaks people. Adopting the beautiful akhlaq of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa Regarding the akhlaq of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi The ahadith are filled with it. The Quran Sharif Allah tabarak wa ta'ala sums it up. وَإِنَّكَ لَعَلَى خُلُقٍ عَظِيمٍ You are on the peak of noble character. Right at the pinnacle of noble character. Nobody can come anywhere close. One iota to the extent of the good akhlaq that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa adopted. But he taught us to adopt that akhlaq as well. And his example that has been expressed in the ahadith of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam لَمْ يَكُنْ فَاحِشًا 
wala mutafahishan neither was he by nature vulgar nor was he deliberately vulgar sometimes people they vulgarity becomes natural the vulgarity continues to such an extent that then the person doesn't have to think to be vulgar he just becomes naturally vulgar his wife just irritated him and there'll be vulgarities his children said something out of turn there'll be vulgarities and allah forbid if his employees did something then the whole world will come down and the vulgarity will know no end to it whereas this akhlaq is what brought people to islam good akhlaq whether it is indonesia which is the most populous muslim country whether it was malaysia philippines etc whether in africa for example malawi the history of malawi if a person looks into it the population came into islam through the akhlaq of muslim traders and likewise these countries it was akhlaq akhlaq of muslim traders that brought people into islam it wasn't anything that they had very very eloquent way of introducing people to islam and they were talking to them in a very eloquent manner and they had some very lengthy discussions and major conferences and huge seminars and so on it was the silent dawat that came through the actions what actions the akhlaq of traders and unfortunately today the opposite is happening it is the akhlaq of muslims in general whatever field we may be in how we conduct ourselves alhamdulillah there are many who do it the right way and many become a means of people coming to islam but very often it is the very way that we deal with people how we treat people how we talk to people how we conduct ourselves with them this is what drives people away from islam and therefore in the hadith sharif so much of emphasis has been placed on this good akhlaq in one hadith nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam says inna ahabbakum ilayya wa aqrabakum indi manzilatan yawm alqiyamah the most beloved person to me now who doesn't want to be beloved to rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam every one of us wants to have his proximity on the day of qiyamah especially everybody wants to be loving him and be beloved to him nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam says there's a prescription for it and obviously this prescription comes along with the basics that a person is fulfilling whatever the obligations of deen are staying away from sin and then together with that nabi sallallahu says the most beloved person to me and the person who is closest to will be closest to me on the day of qiyamah his rank will be closest to me on the day of qiyamah ahasinukum akhlaqan the one among you who has the best akhlaq the one among you who has the best akhlaq now this is a moment of self reflection and not just this moment we need to spend some time daily to think about these things to reflect reflect upon our akhlaq and this is something which the quran sharif discusses in so many places the ahadith is filled with it this is a daily discussion within ourselves with our families and in general we should be there should be some discussion of good akhlaq some something we reading some authentic literature about good akhlaq about the akhlaq of the sahaba ikram what kind of akhlaq they developed how they dealt with one another what kind of character they displayed and then the five predecessors throughout the eras every era and in every time and period of uh, every period of time and every era there have been those personalities that with the beacons of hidayat and beacons of guidance for mankind look into their lives and we'll see the akhlaq that they possess that together with everything else 
whatever other good qualities they possessed, the remarkable feature in them was their akhlaq. Without this akhlaq, it never happened. Despite all the other things being there. But if the akhlaq wasn't there, this didn't happen. And therefore Allah tabarak wa ta'ala mentions this to Rasulullah sallallahu in the Quran Sharif. وَلَوْ كُنْتَ فَضًّا غَلِيظَ الْقَلْبِ لَنْ فَضُّوا مِنْ حَوْلِكَ Had you been hard, had you been hard in your speech and hard-hearted, hard in your speech and hard-hearted, then everybody would have disappeared from around you. But it is due to your very kind and compassionate way that فَبِمَا رَحْمَةٍ مِّنَ اللَّهِ لِنْتَ لَهُمْ That soft-natured person that you are, that compassionate person that you are, that kindness. Now let alone people elsewhere, and outsiders and strangers, sometimes even people close and near and dear to us don't want to be close to us. People within the four walls of our home don't want to be close to us. So something for us to reflect upon. Something for us to think deeply about. That what is this that's creating this distance? What is it that's creating these problems in homes? What is it that's creating these problems in our communities, societies? in our extended families, how often it is simply the lack of good akhlaq. We haven't understood the value of good akhlaq because this consciousness of akhirat is very far away from us. That if I adopt this good akhlaq, I make this sabr now, I speak correctly, I forgive and overlook, I will gain so much in the year after as in one hadith Rasulullah says, Ana za'imun, Ana za'imun bi baytin fi rabadil fi wasatil jannah. لِمَنْ تَرَكَ الْمِرَاءَ وَهُوَ مُحِقٌ I am guarantee, I am the guarantor and I am standing guarantee for a palace in the heart of Jannah, for the person who gives up a dispute despite being the entitled party. And then further Nabi Sallallahu says, وَأَنَا زَعِيمٌ بِبَيْتٍ فِي أَعْلَى الْجَنَّةِ لِمَنْ حَسَّنَ خُلُقَ I stand guarantee for that person for a palace in the highest point of Jannah. For who? For the one who beautifies his akhlaq. The one who adopts the good akhlaq. He is ready to forgive. He is ready to overlook. He has this quality of sabr and patience. He has this tolerance in him. This hilm. That hilm which Rasulullah taught us to make dua for. Even good akhlaq in itself. This is, we make dua for so many things. We make dua for our businesses, for our jobs, for our profession, for our children, for our families. Nabi Islam taught us to make dua for good akhlaq. Allahumma hdini li ahsan al-akhlaq. La yahdi li ahsaniha illa ant. Wasrif anni sayyiaha. La yasrifu anna anni sayyiaha illa ant. Ya Allah, guide me towards good akhlaq. Only you can guide me towards good akhlaq. Ya Allah, save me from bad akhlaq. Only with your help can I be saved from it. Dua for akhlaq. And that effort for akhlaq. And being in the company of people of akhlaq. Then this gradually rubs off. And inshallah someday we'll also possess that akhlaq. But it starts off with a determination. I want to have the good akhlaq. I want to possess those good qualities that have been taught in the Quran and Sunnah. And I want to live it. I want to become a means of that kind of person. I want to become the means of that muhabbat all around. That love and that tranquility and that peace in my own home. In my business. How I deal with people in my own business, my staff my customers, anyone and everyone, how I deal with one and all. This is a repeat, the lesson that we cannot repeat enough. This is a lesson that every day we talk about it, it will be still less. Because till it doesn't become part and parcel of our life, 
then we will still be lacking very, very greatly in a very essential part of the And therefore this is something to think about, to make dua for, to reflect upon it. This reflection, this inner, uh, this introspection, this reflecting upon what is our condition, this is a very important thing that helps a person to now start making, taking steps forward, making amends, learning where he should now make adjustments, taking the right, the steps in the right direction. This all comes after this fikr is concerned. This concern. And the fikr is it's generated by this self-reflection. By thinking, pondering deeply. What am I doing? How am I conducting myself? What is my akhlaq? How am I living with my own family? How am I treating people around me? How am I dealing in my business? In my profession? In my job? How am I dealing with my neighbors? What is my akhlaq with people who I don't even have any idea who the person is? But he is my fellow Muslim brother. Or he might be just my neighbor, he might be anybody, but he's an insan, he's a human being. How do I deal with him? What is my conduct? A person sitting and thinking about it, taking stock of himself, this will create the concern to develop the correct akhlaq and to live the correct akhlaq. May Allah give us the topic.